What do you do when not only you are suffering with a mental health challenge, but you actually have a child who is suffering from their own mental health issues? and welcome to the Mentally Fit Muslims podcast. I'm your host, Sabah Malik. Thank you so much for joining me. And today I'm talking to a Muslim mom who has bipolar and she also has a child who's suffering from their own mental health issues. Inshallah, we'll be talking about motherhood, setting boundaries in your relationships and growing from your challenges. Stay tuned till the end because I have two exciting announcements that I'm only sharing on my podcast and on my email list, nowhere else. So it's a way for me to say thank you for being a loyal listener. And you can also join my email list. I'll put a link in the show notes so that you can stay up to date with all the exciting announcements coming up for my podcast. All right, enjoy the show. Assalamu alaikum, Hayat. Wa alaikum assalam, alaikum barakatuh. How are you doing? Oh gosh, alhamdulillah, I cannot complain. Every day is a beautiful day. That's nice to hear. That's very nice to hear, alhamdulillah. Um, so uh, we actually met online uh, on a Zoom meeting. And I just, uh, I think the moment you said, I have bipolar, I'm like, okay. <laughs> We're, we're sisters in bipolar. So uh, I want to talk to Hayat and find out, you know, what's your story and um, just how you've been dealing with it. So before we start, I'm just going to uh, read your bio. You sent me a blur. So I'm just going to tell my audience about you, a little bit about you. So Hayat Omar, uh, Hayat Omar Hubert, right? Okay. Hayat Omar Hubert is community is a community engagement specialist with a decade of successful experience in all aspects of event, program planning, development, and management. A strong believer in living a life of service that has no boundaries of race, creed, or religion. She works hard to take a stand for unity in the community to serve and take part in forming alliances and partnerships to maximize resources and energy. Hayat regularly works in partnerships with other organizations to make a difference in her community doing services such as cooking for the homeless, collecting hygiene kits, community cleanup. She regularly volunteers by participating in programs to empower youth. Her educational qualifications include an associate's degree in early childhood education, bachelor's degree in social science, concentration in sociology, and a master's degree in social work. Hayat enjoys reading and writing poetry. Wow, mashallah. <laughs> you are pretty accomplished. Hello, inshallah. You know? <laughs> All right, so tell us a bit about yourself. All right. So I know, you know, my name means life and I am full of it and passion every day is I'm just grateful. Like every day for me is in gratitude and everything I do is being grateful for my family, my community, what I have and sharing what I have, whether it's knowledge, anything I have sharing with people is and that's what I like to do. So I know you have bipolar. Do you want to tell us how you got it? What's your story? Yes. So it was very strange story. I was nine years old. I went to, so I'm originally from Ethiopia. So my mom took me to a countryside to, uh, to visit my grandmother. So I went with her and I saw one of my grandmother's sister. She was in her nineties. Uh, they were washing her body. She looks like, you know, she was really close to death. And it really affected me. I came, when we, we came back home, she died a week later. I didn't know this woman other than she's my grandmother's sister. No story about her. It affected me so much. She kept coming back to me in, in a dream and I was so depressed and I couldn't tell my family. So like, you know, what could I say? I, this woman died. I don't know her and affected me. I didn't have words to communicate what that meant and how I was feeling. So I was just very emotional, very moody. So, and, and I didn't have the words to communicate to my family. So all my family knew was I was this difficult, moody child. So from nine to in my early twenties, it's just like, it was just emotional roller coaster of feeling and going down a dark, deep hole, the rabbit dragging me and not having resources or people to talk to till in college. 
till I got help. Okay, so there was a trigger that happened and yep. then just mood swings and being very difficult. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That sounds like my story too. I was always the moody one, just an explosive bomb. Yeah. But only to my yeah. family. Amazing. Yeah. At home, yeah, at school, I was the most vivacious. You could not tell that I suffer from depression. You wouldn't, any school. So it was really, I had this facade that I can manage it, right? Mm -hmm. And there are things that happened in my life too that contributed. So when you have a victim mentality, when you are a victim of something, I think you attract. So one of the things that happened to me is I was molested when I was from different stages of my life. And... So I think it just, you attract a certain type of people when you are in that stage. That's what I'm very much believer in is you attract. A victim attracts abuser, abusers attract victims. And that kind of added to my depression and not having the communication to talk to people about it. That makes, you know, makes it hard too. Mm -hmm. So how, that is very difficult. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. So you said in college, you started getting help. Is that when you got a bipolar diagnosis or? Yes. Yes. So I'm, I have, so my manic, right. You go all the way up to the top of the moon and you crash as much as you're up, you crash down and you know, that feeling. And that's how it was. I mean, in my manic, that's my poetry, you know, uh, having the connection to Allah and my poetry, that's what saved me. And And I had to, it came to the point, it came to a head, you know, your mind will protect you to a certain point and there it will come to a head. It cannot protect you anymore. And I got to that point, like, you know, I cannot continue the way I am. So, and then people say, there were people who are willing to listen and say, okay, you know, something's wrong with you. Okay. What can we figure out? It's in medication. So now I was, and I got on medication for a while and, and the exercise and doing and therapy. Mm-hmm. And all the combination of that, alhamdulillah. So what was that turning point where you said you realized your mind could not protect you anymore? And how, how did you come to that turning point? What happened that you had that shift? I would write diary. So I can tell you, like, I don't know how to survive each day. That's what it would be like. I don't know how I can make it. I literally would like movies, anything the next day to look forward to. That's how it would go. Like, what can I to keep me alive? Right. To just glimmer of like, I was okay. People I'm going to meet. That's how I would measure the day. What, how I could do to survive. And it just, my mind just couldn't function anymore. And they said, you know what? And there are people who watched me and say, you know what? There is help. You can you know, I know this person, you can get a diagnose. And I was like, oh, you can, huh? Like, you know, I would help people, but asking for help was not my strong suit. I mean, even till this day, I think it's mm-hmm. not the strong suit for me, but it's like, well, yeah, I can. Mm-hmm. And so, so it took someone to say, you know what? You can get a diagnose and get help. And I was like, okay. So I in the know. beginning, it was hard for that acceptance to happen or... Uh, just that, no, even asking for help. It's almost like, like, okay, I don't matter. It could be part of it, you know, depression, you know, you, everybody matters except you, right? Mm-hmm. I have that mentality. Everybody, you give a give everybody, but not you. Mm-hmm. So and right now you're a social worker, right? Oh, I guess that by, uh, I guess that's by what I do. Like, you know, I do, even though I don't like go out as a social worker, but that is what I do, you know, okay. resources and people. So, yeah. So a person who's always helping other people finds it hard to accept the help. Yes, I think. Why do you think that is like a lot of women do fall into that? Yes, I think it's just ingrained in you, right? It's just, you know, you help and whether it's vulnerability, it's one of my thing, I guess, being vulnerable to people like, you know, and uh, knowing even from childhood that, you know, people cannot be trusted and people can trust me, but people cannot be trusted, right? Something happens in your childhood and that thing gets stuck in your head. Even if it's not true, you've proven it, but it's just, unless you're consciously making an effort to make it, you know, change, it just gets stuck. Okay. So you think the childhood experience you had, the traumatic event, does it still affect you? How are you dealing with it? What what point do you think you are at with that healing process or... Okay, healing is an everyday thing. And I think I'm in a good spot because I am, I consciously, I think since I was, you know, before 18, you can blame everything after, right? After that, I feel like you have no choice. You are, you are, you can deal with your life in a way 
to fully acknowledge whatever you have to do. So I'm always in uh, investigating myself, you know, cleaning myself, what's going on, heart and mind and soul. So I constantly work on myself. So it's not, it's just a journey of self-discovery, self-love. And it's <laughs> going to be something that's going to continue from here on. So. So is that with therapy? Are you still in therapy or it's just, something- no, I'm not in therapy anymore. So Alhamdulillah, no medication, no therapy. So, oh, really? uh, yes. Wow. So, but, okay. Yeah. So I still recognize, right. The passion, like when you go, like, you know, the signs, like, you know, I still have my, uh, the moment will, uh, right before I go down the deep, dark hole, if I recognize it, if I reach and I talk, I talk it out with my husband or anybody, then, you know, it, I don't go down that road. So, so what are easy. Okay. Alhamdulillah, that's good. You've gotten to that point. That yeah. takes time. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> how, how do you recognize the signs? Like in you, what are some signs that you see? And how do you uh, take care of it or manage it before it gets too big? Right. So it's all about uh, you. Uh, so emotion, people affecting you. So it's one of the things I work on is people, when people have anger, people have things, they have it. You don't. Taking it on more than you can, right? When somebody's giving you things, it's not yours. It's theirs, their emotion, whatever they're dealing with, they're throwing at you. It has nothing to do with you. Now, having that boundary of, okay, that's your emotion. That's me taking care of myself and where I'm at and checking myself constantly. Like, you know, what people, what people say, letting it affect me. It's like, wait a minute. It's theirs. They have, they have a right. People's opinion of you is really nobody's business. It's not even your business. People's mm-hmm. opinion. This is their opinion. It has nothing to do with me. Great. They have opinion. Wonderful. Nothing to do with me. Right. Having that boundary. And I mean, it's a lot of work and I literally work on it. And, you know, and I, right, I just right, right now, so I'm in a point like, OK, it's great. Like everything is I work on it. What I have, I recognize my weakness, whatever I fall in it. I look at it and I say, OK, this is what it is. I don't want to go down to that road. I have a choice. You know, you can notice one of my favorite, you know, you can laugh, cry, you know, Emily uh, Dickinson, or she said, the word, when the world laughs, it laughs with you. When you cry, you cry alone. Wow, that is very telling. That is true. So you were talking about anger and how not letting other people's opinions affect you. What, so let's say you're in that heat of moment and somebody is just throwing stuff at you, you know, accusations or criticism. How do you stay calm in that moment? Or how do you make that choice to actively not accept, you know, the bricks that they're throwing at you? What do you do in the moment? How have you learned to cope with that? Because I know with bipolar, anger and aggression and those mood swings, they're like an everyday battle. Oh, yeah. Don't I know it? I've been I lived it for so long. So it's about really realizing nothing is wrong, right? No matter. It's how you listen to people make. And I, I was just in a tense 10 month program. So it's all about how you listen to somebody, right? Actually, you're, you're, you're speak, your speaking is given by your listening, how you listen to somebody. So how, where that person's coming from, right? If you just think about, if you listen from, there's nothing wrong, let the person speak their mind, even throw at you. You know, especially with my children, I mean, you know, teenagers, let them throw at you and say, okay, tell me more about it. Like, have you ever, and I, there's this thing called recreating somebody. Somebody's angry at you. They throw at you and you say, okay, I got it. And if you say like, I got that, you are really angry about something that I did. And I spoke to you in a way, the manner that really upset you. Did I got right? Like, yeah. So you recreate somebody and their experience my goodness, it disappears. And I do it with my child. And who is like, you know, who is suffers with uh, all kind of different type of mental <laughs> issues, challenges, and boy, and stuff that I know, uh, so painful, but I just got to the point, right? You know, this is not me. I give what I can give. And my child has its own journey to travel. Mm-hmm. And just recognizing and just interacting in a way that is not personal. Okay. It is not personal. Anything somebody says to you, and it's really hard to say, like, what do you mean? They're yeah. attacking me. But it is really not personal. People are speaking to you because of their pain, their experience. Really has most of the time has nothing to do with you. When you recognize it, then you're like, okay, so what is it that you are speaking to me in so much pain? Like, what is going on with you that you have that anger? Instead of me taking your anger, boy, the freedom of that is so yeah. amazing. And I'm like, all right. This just, you know, so that's how I really live my life, especially the past three years has been like that. Okay. It's just been like, oh, 
So just observing that whatever the person is saying, it's not about you. No, it's not. That that is very like freeing, you know. It is. Wow. I the last episode I did was on anger, and I was talking about having that space where there's a trigger and then there's a reaction. So that is really true. Just observing and you said recreating, right? Recreating. It's a powerful, powerful tool. You recreate that person, you recreate their tone, everything about them, recreate them. Okay. And you just, yeah, let them throw at you. You're like, tell me more. Listen to them. Like, I'm upset. Yeah, give it to me. Well, what else are you spending? And then recreate them. Because most people don't don't feel hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say that, that they just want to feel heard. They want to feel validated. And when you do that, do you think they kind of let their guard down and they stop having like a attacking mentality and they just kind of, they open up. I find that. Do you find that's true? Yeah, absolutely. I like, Oh, okay. Then, okay. I can breathe and talk to you. I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. You can. So, So I think one thing I have a hard time with listening to you and seeing that mashallah, how you're dealing with it is that when that person is, you know, we're in the heat of the moment, how do I, that personalizing? Because I feel like when I'm vulnerable, when I'm not feeling well, I just absorb everything like a sponge. So how do you maintain that? Like, I don't want to be totally checked out that I'm not even paying attention. I'm not listening. But at the same time, how do I listen without letting that affect me? Like, you know, that personalizing, what's the train of thought in your head where you get that distance? Because with bipolar, especially like when I'm in an episode or depression, my emotions are so messed up and so hard for me to manage that when someone comes with their emotional baggage, especially kids, Mm -hmm. right? If it's a friend or an extended family member, you can be like, okay, I'll see you later. I have work to do now, or I can't handle this. But if it's a child, you know, or a teenager, what are you going to do? No, do the same thing. I, you know, without really, I say, I can't talk right now. Give me a moment. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah. I give me a moment. You know, if I can't handle, I'm just recognizing even, even if I snap out at the moment, right. I recognize it. You know what I, what I did was not right. Give me a moment and I'll go back mm. and, and I'll do it. And I'm human. So I will snap out there will be times, but I have to go back and uh, correct it and saying, mm. I did not handle it. What? No, give me another chance and let's recreate that interaction because that just was not well of me. So even from when my kids were young, I always like, you know, I would apologize for my behavior if it's not right, because you teach them by how you are. And believe me with my, even my kids, I take like mental wellness is very important to me. My kids, my house could be messy. And if I need a moment to read a book, I am all about that. You know, it is me time is so important. That's why I put, I used to put my kids, you know, early when they were young, right? Seven o'clock, you're in bed. I don't care if you sleep, I'm just not available. Between this time and that time, not available for you. It's just literally like I have my moment is very precious. So because I needed that, it's just because yeah. I'm all there. And then and, and they know that there's certain things, you know, talk to me in this moment. Like I can't. So I, I had to create that boundary. <laughs> Mashallah, I hope I can get to that one point because I think I'm just setting down those boundaries. And oh. you know what I feel? Sometimes I feel guilty that I'm not giving myself mm. to them. and that's a hard to thing to deal with as a mother, you know, where yeah. you do help everyone else. And then when you forget about yourself, yeah. your mental health suffers. Yes. And it's funny because you think you're helping them, but because you're not taking care of yourself, they suffer in the long run. Absolutely. 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 So I teach him like, and it's very important. And me time is important. Like, can I have me time? Same thing with husband. Like that's our time. Like, you know, and it's just, you know, and I have to come, you know, you cannot be, uh, you just, you have to take care of yourself. And then I know that. And I tell them, this is important. And like, you can take, you take care of yourself too. You can have your own moment. Hmm. Me time is really precious. Yeah. That's an important thing to teach. Um, Do you want to talk about your kids? You were mentioning that they have some mental health challenges or issues. Yeah, yeah, my oldest. Yeah, my oldest. Love to hear about that. (laughs) Yeah, so my oldest does. So we're having severe anxiety, severe depression. Uh, Slightly could be in spectrum, possibly not fully, totally there yet. So we had different diagnosis and uh, noise issue. That's called misophonia. Means you cannot Mm -hmm. eat or chew in front of people, so you cannot eat as a family. It's very difficult. It's completely it breaks down your family because you cannot eat as a family because noise you cannot chew you cannot make noise with your mouth. It is what's the term you said? It's called misophonia. 
How do you spell that? M oh my gosh, I, mean, I have the spelling challenge, so I can okay, look it up. Okay. It's called misophonia. So it's a noise issue. It's auditory, so even visual. So you can even yeah, oh my gosh. So it is, okay. yeah, totally, it just changes the dynamic of your house. And you can't eat together, talk, you know, every noise, even prayer together could be difficult unless noise, there's a noise cancellation. So this challenge is, oh my gosh. So it's like, wow. And forget my experience of depression, right? This is 10, 20 times, 100 times, even more difficult in the dynamic of a household. And uh, it's been and very challenging. And uh, I don't know the future of my child, what I can only, you know, support and provide resources, but how my child is going to function in the world. It is very scary to see, to, uh, to live it. And, you know, that I just leave it to the world and make dua, but it is, it is very painfully challenging. When you see your child going through that and mm. do you feel helpless, you feel worried, anxious. Yeah. About the future? Yeah. yeah. How's my child going to survive in the world? And I don't know. And I just hope the child will. And will look at me and say, okay, you suffer from depression. You might, your grandmother suffered from depression. And I don't want to bring any child in the world to feel the way I do. And that's what my child says to me. And I'm like, okay, you know, that's just what it is. <laughs> the both of your kids who have? The... Not the, uh, just the oldest. Not my, I don't think my youngest. My youngest was very good lucky. <laughs> so uh, this one does. But it's, yeah, it's just, yeah. And it's. It's challenging, especially when people don't understand around you, right? You know, when your child suffers and there's nothing and your child is, you, your job as a parent, or I know, was just to love. That is all your mm -hmm. job is. Not mm -hmm. anything, not to change, not anything, just to love them through ups and downs and just love them. And that's all. And they see, once I got that is my job, because I'm a fixer, right? You fix things as a social worker. That's what you do. want to fix. And when I realized it's just my job, it's not to fix yeah, I'm not, not, not superwoman. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> Love, provide resources, provide comfort, and then the rest, you know, will happen or not happen. I don't know. You just, you know, will be what it will be. So what I sense is that you have a lot of humility and just understanding that other people are other people, and I cannot do anything to fix them, and I just have to be there for yep. them. Yes, that's a very big and wise lesson. I'm, yes. I'm gonna work on that yeah <laughs> it's talking, a journey yeah it, is, uh, it never it. ends it never ends and I think when I would keep thinking that there should be an end to this suffering that I should not have this issue anymore especially yep. with bipolar I would say I've had it for so long why am I still having the same triggers I'm going through the same thing and I realized this kind of stuff these kind of problems don't have a solution nope. there's some problems you can fix done and it's over with, but there's other problems that are just ongoing. And every day you just have to deal with it and just get better at it. Yep. It's called um, managing. That's what I like right now. I can see I'm managing myself as a mother who is kind of upset, has a child who suffers from depression, right? I can manage. I'm managing myself as that. So I'm recognizing what I'm doing. So each one, okay, right now I'm managing as myself who's busy, who has a lot to do is overwhelmed. Right. This is how I'm acting. And I look at it and like, OK, what is there for me to do or not to do? Mm -hmm. So it's constant of managing and I'll just recognize, OK, this is what I'm doing. This is how I'm functioning. And then I will decide, OK, do I like the way I'm functioning or not? I have mm -hmm. a choice. Like suffering is a choice when you think about it. It really in a matter when you're mental, when you have mental illness, it becomes hard, like when you do it. But when you think about it, even within that, right, you can still say suffering is a choice. Like I have a choice in what to do in certain things. Still recognizing I have this condition. Within okay. even that, having the condition, I still have choice of in certain things to do or not to do. Because there are certain things within with my child that I have to deal with. I'm like, you know, each time I'll say, like, you know, I'll say, you know what, I have mental illness. Well, I will, I will get that, right? I'm like, I get that you have challenges. I do too. There's still something in us within us, still the challenges that we can do. So not in giving that up because once, you know, giving yourself to a label, that becomes a dangerous in a sense, right? So just distinguishing that, like there's even within that, I still have some choices. I'm finding what are they, identifying. And then maneuvering yourself to see what you can do. So suffering is a choice. So, yeah. Instead so when I get, I'm stuck yeah, in instead this. of just, yeah, I'm not unaffected, but like, I don't want to be at effect of what's going on. 
right? Mm -hmm. So I want to be, I don't want to be an effect of it. So I want to see what I can do about it. Like that I'm not resigning. Yeah. yeah, that is very empowering. Because I think with mental illness, once you get a label or a diagnosis, if you resort to thinking that my life is over, this is in control mm -hmm. and everything, then you are definitely heading down, yep. you know, not a good path. Yep. Um, you were talking about support. Um, how has support been not just, you know, you having bipolar, but having um, a child or a teenager who's, um, you know, has their own issue. And I remember on the Zoom call, you did hint at the community, uh, how it was not supportive or do you want to share about that? Do you want to talk sure. about that? Sure. Like, you know, if you a child, like in any community, even my parents growing up, right, you cannot give what you don't have. Same thing with parenting. If you don't have it, you can't give it. So my parents couldn't give me the support when I was young. Now, I'm, 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 mashallah, you know, I have a beautiful relationship with my mom and things. But what it takes is recognizing someone, not being afraid of it, right? If you have an illness, one, it will be, uh, you will catch it. <laughs> uh, and you're afraid of something you don't understand. And so I had to surround with pe myself with people who knew, understood me and can hope provide support without judgment. So that judgment in it, like, oh, I don't know what you got. I don't want it. You know, mm. there is a sense. I think some people feel that yeah. way instead of just supporting, like instead of saying like, what's going on with you? How can people don't say that? Very few people, when I was going through three years ago, I was like really in a bad place with my family. And I will tell you, like very few people could say like, what's going on? How can we help? And I am a person who's connected. And so like, even if I don't get it, I know where to get it. So I just can imagine some people who are not, don't have that connection. How will they be, right? You just, and then like, where, where, where do you go? That made it really like, so that's why one of the things, you know, creating the club and saying like, okay, how can we address that slowly breaking the boundaries, the barriers so, and the stigma? So what? I mean, say like, and I have no problem. I would talk about my, but people brush it out like, yeah, but you know, people really think it's a choice in a sense of when you have the illness, how I behave about it may be my choice, but having it, same thing. Like if you have a cancer, nobody says to you like, oh, we got cancer, right? Like nobody says, oh, you have, you know, leukemia, we have different things like, you know, but this is just like that. Your brain is wired differently than things and being open. Like uh, another thing is anxiety. People suffer. Oh my gosh. And, and people are ashamed of it. Like I've never been ashamed of it. I talk about it, but people don't want, even when I talk about it to people don't want to hear it. They brush it off. Right. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, but you're this, I'm like, no, just me being vivacious and having that has nothing to do with still that I have the tendency still that I have this condition. It's nothing. It's just, is I just happen to manage myself better but mm -hmm. doesn't you know so why why are people so not just afraid but like ashamed or uncomfortable about hearing this no yeah I do not know it's just really it's just hard it is cultural definitely cultural but it doesn't matter even if America it doesn't matter wherever you are it seemed to be that this illness is well it's not I don't even want to call it illness it's just you know it's just it's a condition. Oh, a challenge. You, yeah, a challenge, a challenge. Yeah. yeah, a challenge. Yeah. So it's just a challenge that you have instead of dealing with it head on. I don't think people in like anybody, any community don't want like having you. It's like almost like having dirty laundry being aired. But this is more of like looking at it and say, like, how can we help? It's not smearing, but mm -hmm. it's how they look at it. Like for me, when my parents, when they recognize, you know, that I had this really issue so what they did they did rukia rukia i know the spiritual mm -hmm. healing which is not in itself it's not bad but that's not my issue like i would say like god is not my issue a lot god i'm good with a lot like you know yes. that's actually my source of comfort as people i had a hard time dealing with and that <laughs> itself is not communicating i'm like really people give me like suicide hotline with god i'm like no i don't have a problem with god that's good so no do you think like when um, people are afraid to talk about it or you're saying like airing dirty laundry, do you think others think that this is like a mental, it's a failing for someone to have a mental health challenge, which is interesting because we were talking about suffering is a choice. On the flip side, yeah. some people think that, well, what you're going through, the depression, the anxiety, it's your choice. You're choosing to feel that yes. way. So why don't you just get out of it? How get do you? 
yeah. How do you balance the two? Because us, you know, in that moment, we're saying that, yes, it's a choice. We can choose how to react, but then how do you, um, reconcile the comments that other people say, which is that, yeah, you know what, you are choosing to be this way. So why are you doing that? How do you reconcile the two? Like, how do you, how do you answer someone or even more? How do you answer that yourself? Like I said, it's just like cancer, having all disease, having a disease does not like it's just you have it. It's just a part of you, right? That's all it is. It's a part of you that have that. It's a part of you mentally. You think differently as someone emotionally, like my child is an empath. So everything that anything negative, I can't even tell a story that is sad because it is devastating the impact of it, right? So recognize that some people's wired differently, but within that, you know, just finding a way to function, but having that, like people have different issues recognizing that it it does within that issue we still can find a way to function different way that we can manage our challenges so saying that like you know really confronting this is a challenge this is an issue just like having cancer you have a cancer you don't tell people to get over cancer Mm-hmm. So, so it's up to us to teach people to say, you know, we don't give our cancer the same thing you go through your own and every person is different. Every person who has the same bipolar is different. Their journey is different because not only because you have the thing that I really found out is you have a tendency of the, how you think that's what makes you susceptible to depression, but you experience that what happens to you affects you even more. So you have two things. So that's why the, for me, what if what happened to me, sympathy things when I dealt with therapy, most of my issue went because the what happened to me and what went through got dealt with in therapy. So now what I have left with is my chemical imbalance. And I found myself how to manage that. And now some people like, you know, could be all of uh, the chemical and none of no trauma has happened to them, but it's all chemical imbalance. So even figuring out for yourself what it is. So it takes, you are your own best doctor. First, you're connected with yourself, figuring out what it is, what happened to why got you to this point. And then you can talk to people, but don't let anybody, when they say, I'm like, it's wonderful you have that opinion. But you know, I know myself best. This is what I have. It's not all that I am, but it's a part of me. <laughs> but thank you for your opinion. Wow, what wow a, this is, you know. I need to memorize that line. <laughs> I think I need to say that a lot. And I think it takes time. Like you grow into yourself. You don't start out like that way. Like I know when I was 18, I did not have the mentality that I have now. So it's just what I hear is accepting yourself and looking at the challenge objectively. Yeah. Again, not remember we were talking about not personalizing what other people are saying. Yes. So I think it's the same thing with the challenges, not personalizing it yourself and looking at it objectively and not attacking the person. This is just something outside. So just removing the emotion from it. Yeah. Oh yeah. The freedom. This is something, a technique that I learned three years ago, completely moving emotion. It's like, wow, why am I touched to this? It's like, no, it's just, it's just what it is. Like looking at things, this is what it is. Even anything traumatic that happened to you, there's this thing called, it's just the story. And then what happened? The story is, you could say like the story is something traumatic happened to me. What happened is I made it more than I added to it. This made me a failing because if this happened to me that I made myself uh, look for things and, uh, you know, you add to it and you find justification for your behavior of what you keep adding to it. Just if you could just say like something traumatic happened to me and that's what it is. And I won't let it mean anything than what it is. Hmm. Then just you remove the story that most of the pain is what you add to it. You make you attach meaning to it. Hmm. And so that is one that, that takes toll. Mm-hmm. So Just something happens and it's the meaning that you attach to it. And in that way, you want to attach a meaning that serves you. That helps Yes. Yeah. You. Yeah. Justification. Not, you justify it. Yeah. Oh, you know, you know, I feel like I act that way because this happened to me. Like you give you, you, you justify yourself. You justify your action and you become righteous. And even as a parent, right. You tend to see like, I'm right. You become righteous and you're like, wait a minute, like, oh, who made yeah, who died and made me God kind of thing, right? Wait a minute, why am I being righteous about this? You know, like, no, I'm like, correct yourself. Like, okay, let me step back. I think that's a song or who died and made you God. Yeah, like, who died? I'm like, wait a minute. That's true. I am mighty. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, wait a minute. It's just not. Yeah. 
when I interviewed the last person, I was talking to them and saying that though when we start out, we say, okay, we're going to talk about bipolar in your story, but naturally and organically, there's a theme that emerges. And what I see like just coming out today is being humble and just having the humility to recognize that what other people are going through, that's their kind of work. That's their job. And I'm just there as an observer. And same thing with myself, not to personalize it and just realize what I have is a challenge as well. So that humility, that, that can be really gold. That can be powerful. You think humility or just kind of, um, acceptance sometimes means you're weak. You're kind of giving up, but I think it's the opposite. It's really the opposite being humble. Like uh, there's a saying that when a tree bears fruit, it, it like, uh, I guess bends or it lowers itself. Mm. So it's the same thing. As you grow older, you become uh, not wise that, you know, everything, but you know more about yourself. And I think as you know more about yourself, that's when you start to bear the fruits and you start to enjoy that, that feeling of not knowing. Like, I know I was very uncomfortable not knowing everything. Like, I should have an answer for this. Why am I feeling this way? I should know. I should know. And now as I'm getting older, it's very freeing to say, I do not know. Like, my daughter will ask me endless questions and I'll say, I don't know. I don't know. And I asked her, do you think mommy knows everything? She's like, yes, you, you know, everything you have all the answers. I'm like, no, I do not. I do not have all the answers. So uh, someone who is not, not at a point where you at, Alhamdulillah, you, mashallah, you're in a very good spot. And what you're saying, you know, it shows that it took you time and a lot of maturity to get to this point. So somebody starting out, let's say someone who's listening, either they just got a diagnosis or they're um, a parent with a child who has a a mental illness or mental challenge or somebody. um, I know some people who are not married and they're looking to get married and having a bipolar label is so tough for them. Not only just finding someone who will accept that challenge, but also becoming a mother and having kids with a mental disorder themselves. Cause I know it was very difficult for me to have a child with bipolar. It really affected me, took a toll on me. And it took me a lot of years to recover, even though before getting pregnant, I had, I, I thought I had managed bipolar. I had it down. I knew my triggers. I knew how to, you know, solve my own problems, but having a child, it's like, I started from ground zero again. So what would you recommend just somebody who I guess we can start with somebody who's young and they just got, you know, a mental health challenge. And then we can maybe move to especially mothers who have bipolar and either they have kids who have mental challenges or they themselves are not confident or sure that how am I going to have kids when I have so many problems myself? I know that's a big question, but it's a very, I think, important one. And I think, alhamdulillah, you are very qualified to answer that. Yeah. Yeah, first of all, like what I would say is you are okay the way exactly you are. No matter what point you are, you are great. Where you start is exactly where it is. You are okay. You are good. And then all is there to do is how it's all about managing, like how you can manage. Most and uh, most important thing is being connected to who you are, investigating yourself. The connection to yourself is more important than anybody at the beginning. Anybody. First is where you are, connect with who you are. And once you are comfortable in your own skin, so get to feel different things, right? Let, you know, say different things, how you are, be comfortable exactly who you are. Because if you're not comfortable, you cannot communicate to your child, to anybody, if you're not with yourself. So most important work is with yourself, where you are. But first is recognizing you are beautiful, wonderful, even with all the things that you think about yourself, everybody's great. There's nobody fixing you. You don't need to be fixed. Nobody needs to fix you. It's all about how you would want to live your life and how do you choose to live your life? So you just look at it that way. Nothing to fix. If nothing else, the one I got the past three years is about fixing. Nobody needs to fix anybody. You are great the way you are. You are. Just your expression of yourself, how you go about it. You have a choice of how you can go about it. And that choice can grow 
and it's a journey and there's nothing to rush. It could take something a long time, but being, having been whatever you consider weak or whatever, wherever you are, you don't need to be so great at it to have kids or husband or whatever. You don't. You can even whatever where you are, anything being introduced, as long as you have your connection to yourself, you're working on it, it comes out. You know, now when I had my kids and I had a kids, what is that? A 26 is what I have. And and I will, I'm very honest about with my kids and my depression. Each time I have, like we deal, it's out and open. This is what it is. My, uh, are you kidding me? My husband watched me when I was in my low, having a knife. I know I wasn't going to do anything about it, right? And having it in my wrist, it just having it. And I can imagine like him watching it, right? And then he's still like my husband. That's what I say. He knows the worst about me and still loves me, which is that is the greatest gift that you can have. So don't hide whatever ugliness, whatever thing you got. Talk about it. That's the most empowering thing is talk about it. You know what? I have this. I deal with it. You know, people can surprise you. People will contribute to you when you say things uh, and, and you find that not everybody will. Some people will shun you, whatever. You still got to be prepared for it. Again, it's not about you. It's about them. But you have people who will say, wow, let me contribute to you. So don't wait to be perfect or whatever, because there's no such thing. So just wherever you are, just investigate who you are and don't let that stop you from living your life. It isn't. It's just a small part of you. Don't let it be the whole you. So investigate and accept. Yes. I love that because I think I've asked other people what advice they would give. And the first thing they would start giving like points, do this. I did that. You should do this. But the first thing uh, and what you continue to say was just accept. You do not need to fix yourself. You're perfect the way you are. And I think when you accept, then you start seeing things. Okay, here's where I can improve. These things start coming to your, start coming to light. And that's where you start having the growth mindset because you, you've already accepted yourself as fine. There's, you're not flawed. So when you come, it gives you confidence. And when you have confidence, you're not afraid to look at things that need improvement. Even if you call it a flaw, you're not afraid because it's not going to affect your base, your foundation, your core. Um, How has, uh, I know you're saying you you don't, uh, I don't have a problem with God, you know, like I'm perfect with God in that sense. So like when people say uh, like the Rukia thing you were talking about, how would, because I'm very big on that. I know if I didn't have my connection with Allah and the spiritual part, I would not be in this spot today with my mental health challenges and all the things, alhamdulillah, that I've, I've progressed towards. So somebody who knows that having a connection with God is very important, but they're having a challenge with it. What would you recommend to them, especially if they've been turned off by religion or they, people have used religion against them saying that, you know what, you have this challenge because you're just God's punishing you or you're weak. And I've had that said directly to me, to my mom, that your daughter has bipolar. She went through this because it's a punishment. You know, you, you were like this, so this is happening like directly, you know? So what, I know it goes back again to not personalizing and accepting who you are. I still think it's hard still when somebody is in that situation. So what are some words of support and encouragement you can give them, you know, based on your experience and knowing that they, they are, you know, they are fine the way they are, but still, I think it's nice to get, get like a virtual hug, you know, for them. So how would you, what are some supportive things you can say to someone who's going through that? Yeah. But I just love the way you phrase it. It's not a flaw. You're not flawed right? You were created exactly how you were meant to create it. And you have the issues exactly you're meant to have. And it's not, it is not to punish you. It's just how that was chosen for you. That's how you, for me, like, you know, being depression, having depression is the greatest gift that happened to me because, because I went through that I'm able to relate. I'm able to help people. If I didn't have that, I don't know if that my profession would not, I wasn't, I wouldn't have been effective because I understand pain. I deal with people pain. So it is in a way, whatever you're given, it's a gift. Even it doesn't feel that way. It is a gift that you are given. And it's not because you're punished because one of part of my faith that helps me is I already told you, he will test you. 
It's not because you are flawed. You just nothing wrong with you. You be tested. My goodness, of all the prophets, if you could just look at all their life, what they went through, like even with their kids, like they went through that. Like, who am I to be exempt, right? So it's part of life. You know, that's one of the things that I tell my kid. It's being tested. Having things thrown at you is one thing I can guarantee you. Challenge is one thing you will be guaranteed in life. So it is part of the course. So it's how you get to be when you are faced with that is what we get to work on. So who you get to be. So when somebody insults you, who do you get to be? So do you get to be like, wow, okay, and just rise and say that to them? And it takes a whole lot of work, but just it's just an opportunity for you. Who do you get to be in that moment? And discovering yourself, just think about it. It's like, gosh, you're on a journey to discover. And you can have within that pain, whatever you're going through, what will come out of it is something beautiful and amazing. And I just say, like, you know, whatever you're going to, you are beautiful and wonderful where you are at. And when you come out of it, you mean that part of I just, you are in the cocoon, chrysalis encumbered is that painful stage. And I know how it's like, but you will come out that butterfly and you will spread because of what you've been there. You can do more beautiful things. So in a way you are blessed because of that, even though it doesn't feel like it, but it will come to the point. And I promise you, you will come to that point. Well, With support great. though, find it. Yeah. yeah. That's comforting to hear because I remember when I was starting out, there were some key people who came and said words like that to me. And I took it to heart because I knew they had gone through challenges like mine, similar to mine. It wasn't just kind of a fake positiveness, you know, or the the like um, naive optimism where a person has no idea what challenges you're going through. And they just try to throw this positive vibes at you but they don't really know. They're not acknowledging the hard things that you went through. So I see you doing that. You're, you're saying accept yourself and work on yourself, but you're not ignoring all the hard work that's involved with it, that it's still there. It's there so, and it's worth it. So that's what you have to say. I'm worth it right now. And I'm going to get to work on it. And you get to decide. Nobody gets to decide how you get to work on it. You know, if you want to be curl up and a feed up position, and I'm going to cry today, and that's what you're going to do. Nobody gets to define your recovery. You get to decide it. And that it can, can be really fun. Up. Yes. Yeah, yeah, really. Get to decide how am I going to recover and how do I choose it? Choose your own plan of the road you path. Nobody should choose it for you. You know, that's why, you know, when I believe, you know, your connection to God is so personal. Nobody has a right to judge anybody. Nobody knows what's inside of anybody. No. Uh, so only God can judge. Like, so, and nobody should even advise. That's what we need to be careful of, right? Like, I don't, I, I don't know what even to tell you what works best for you other than you listen to your own thing mm-hmm. and look at what's around you. You get, ultimately, you get to decide what road you want to take. Gosh, Allah gave us a choice. Believe or not to believe. It's your choice. It's mine. <laughs> so that's why with parenting and everything, it's really a choice. I'm just showing you this is a path. You want this way? Here it goes. You want this way? Here it goes. Mm-hmm. And and you get to choose it. And nice. you got nobody to blame but yourself. Yeah. Right? At the end of the day, you're like, and I chose yeah. it. That's what I wanted. Even, you know, when I believe me, and even when I need to get married, like I had a 19, right? I had all this stuff that I, I saw so many bad marriage. And I would each my salat. I would say, God, this is my list that I want. If I'm not happy, I don't want it. And this is my choice. And like, blah, blah, blah. I make a list, you know, in the winter, you send it out. That's what I want again. <laughs> and I would need to choose it for me. I like that. You get to choose your path. And in that, you can have a lot of fun yes. because you get to decide. Um, did you also take the mental health first aider course? Yes. That certification? Yes. Oh, yeah. Actually, with that same lady, I want to do a whole five week seminar with people want to do suicide oh, really? prevention, recognizing. Yep. And we oh, are thinking of doing great. that. Yeah. Yep. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. It was amazing. So can you just tell me a little bit, I, I took the certification recently. Awesome. So, and it was Roswana who actually um, mm-hmm. referred me to it. So it was really good. Um, can you tell like, what's the benefit of taking that and how has it helped you? And if you want to just give like, you know, a two minute nutshell of what it's about and like, you can talk about maybe the LG method. Yes. Okay. All right. So just recognizing. So as a as a mental health editor, you are about it's about recognizing, right? You're not uh, recognizing and providing resource for people, and that's what all community should have. 
when you see something, you're like, oh, okay, there's something that is not right that could be healthy. Recognizing, okay, do you need resource? Do you want help? First, even to ask, like to say, right, what do you need from me without judgment? Is there something I can help you with? And they get to decide, like, I can call for you. I can provide this. I can call with you. What is it that you want? Because ultimately, I want the best for you. So you're not putting your own thing with them. So as a mental health, just like you're giving CPR to somebody who's dying, someone who's dealing with a mental health challenge is dying inside. And it's just like, and, not, and you saying, recognizing, saying, you know what? I recognize that something is not quite right just stepping in and said, what can I do for you? And that is really mental health aid or that's what it provides, recognizing and saying, ooh, what resources and how can you, how you can go about a different way? Because not even there's one method, right? You can say there's different ways how you can go about it with the help of the person who's dealing with it. You let them lead you. Because we don't know we're not perfect. We don't have the answers. I don't have all the answers to anything, right? But you can provide, you know, people. That's why in partnership, I always connect. And that's the reason I could connect with this lady is because of my club that I do with the, with the Lions Club, which is the larger service organization. That's the reason I, I am part of it. It's because resources maximizing. I invent the wheel. If I need something, I go to this person. I need something, I go this. And the community connected because nobody needs to suffer alone. We can help each other. I wanted to ask you about that. What are the resources you offer so the resource, yeah, so the resources like, you know, we have like MAMI is one of mental health largest organization. You know, somebody called me. So as a community engagement specialist, being out in the community, I get a lot of calls. Like I'm dealing with this. I mean, so providing like I would have a resource for getting if you can't afford it, giving you a health mental health uh, evaluation, getting therapy for free. Right. Somebody who's dealing domestic with violence, having that resource. And that's what I collect. And that's why I work with different people. So to have that. All right. So when I somebody calls me, I say I can direct you and their resources are available. It's right there. But people it's about getting to the people who need them the most. And that's what for me was reaching out is like, how can I reach people? What organization can I work with so I can give them this resource? Like simple as when somebody doesn't have I have a child, I need a diaper. I cannot pay my bill. Guess what? 211, you call them, you tell them your zip code, they can provide resources for you. How many people know this? It's very simple. Like there are things that is needed that is there. It's trying to get it to the hands of the people who need it. So I'm going to put in the show notes all the links to your organization and your social media page. So people who do actually need that help, they can reach out to you. So thank yep. you for sharing that. That is very crucial. I, I think that's very important that we provide the resources and we're a connection and a link. And I think that makes it easier for the person giving the help because they realize I don't have to solve anybody's problem. It's the problems. It's not on me. I'm just like one link in the chain. Yep. So that in itself is supportive and hopeful because you realize you can help without burning yourself out. Yes. Um, is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? Yeah, mostly it's just, you know, uh, every day is a gift to all of us. Hmm. But even within that gift, there is pain and suffering, recognizing. So we do not want to brush anything, any pain anybody's going through. But just recognizing, just sitting with it, right? Whatever you have, whatever you're dealing with it, sitting with it, knowing, acknowledging it. But you do not let have to let that define who you are, right? You can create things even with that whatever you're dealing with you can still function and be and do an amazing things so this is not a failing uh you this is not somebody curse i mean i don't know this is not something that uh should be shunned or uh prevent you from living your full life you can still do it step by step sometimes a baby step whatever you have to do the journey is just start the journey to self-healing and that's all it takes. And then surround you with yourself. Help is available. Look for people like, and I'm available, you know, Taba, listening to you. So it is, you know, finding that help and getting, uh, and uh, look at that, because we want a Delaware, we'd love to go do a support group. Anybody reach out, you know, have a conversation and heal, self-heal most. Love yourself first <laughs> before so you ask somebody to love you. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> love yourself first and accept yourself yeah. right you uh, don't ask somebody for that if you're not willing to do it for yourself yeah. no. okay um so i want to thank you so much for coming on it was really nice talking to you i learned a lot acceptance self-love suffering is a choice so let's choose not to suffer and uh, we get to write our own stories Yes. Exactly. That's one of my favorite things. It's like, yeah. please write your own stories. You said it for me. We get to write it. Nobody gets it for us. We get it. We have the power. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> can Where can people find your poetry? Do you share it online or is it something? You know, it is so funny. I should. Like, you know, I, yeah. one of the poetry I wrote is uh, poetry for surviving souls. And that's really? what I wrote it. So I, I'll start trying to post it. You know what? I, I will start to do it in Instagram. They ask it. But post for surviving. You can survive it. No, you yeah. know what? Not only survive, you can thrive. Not yeah. just survive. That's what I'm like. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go beyond it. You can thrive. Despite right. whatever you got a challenge with. So. So I look forward to getting some of your poetry. Let me know yes. when you put it on Instagram. Or if I you will. know one right now off the top of your heart or top oh. of your mind, I mean. No. You know what? I can share right here. No, I can't share it. But you know what? Yes. One of the things is one of my favorite is called You're Killing My Soul. So I wrote it because I've always going through stuff and I'm like trying to get my family member to understand me and they weren't. So this is what I wrote about it. And it's like, it's a very powerful called Killing My Soul, just so you can understand. So let me, and I share this with people. All right. All right. Each time you tell me I'm selfish because I don't fit your idea of me. Each time you reduce me to nothing because I don't do the things the way you do, you're killing my soul. When you deny me the right to express my feelings, when you make me an object that does what it's told, you're killing my soul. Each time you say you want to be close to me, but you don't have to, a clue to who I am. Each time you say you demand that I be something that I'm not, you're killing my soul. When you treat me with contempt, calling it love, when you put the good, when you put down the good qualities that I have, you're killing my soul. Each time you put condition on your love, each time you hinder my growth to be complete in me, you're killing my soul. When you deny, when you ignore my pain, when you deny my reality, you're killing my soul. For all the times you profess to be there for me, just to have you turn your back when I needed you the most. For all the times that you led me to believe you will stand by me just to have you walk out. I have only one chance and only one lifetime to be myself. Yet you persist on standing on my ground to destroy the essence of me. Don't you know you are killing my soul? Wow, that is powerful. <laughs> you are killing my soul. I love yes. that. When did you write that? I must have been 18, 19. So as a parent, really? that's why. Yeah. So you are how we have a power to destroy or uplift our kids and who we are. So that's the sense of like, you know, when you're in interaction, you have that power when you do that. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point, you say, that's what I had to take back, like, you know, saying, no, what? No, you don't have the opportunity to destroy me. Mm -hmm. But how many of you are mature in that sense? And that's why, like, know your power. Because mm -hmm. if you don't, you let people destroy you. And I got to that point. I'm like, uh, -uh you don't get to do that anymore. And in a I'm way, claiming. Kids, yeah, claiming that power. And I find in a way with kids, it's I have that power and I cannot use it to hurt them, especially yeah. when a child is like, you no, know, four or five or even teenager, you do have a lot of power over them. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that poem. It's really beautiful. Thank you. So, all right. That's it for today. Um, thank you again for coming on. It was really nice talking to you and inshallah, I'll see each other around. On the Absolutely. Next thank you. Thank you yeah. for inviting me. I had a fun, so I appreciate okay. it. Thank all right. You. Take care. As all right. So that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed our little chat and I hope you learned from it. And the two exciting announcements are that I will be teaching my first course, inshallah, online. More details to follow, inshallah. And not only that, I have a memoir that's been sitting for a long time, I think over a decade that I have not shared, I have not published. And it's time. It's time for me to share it with you. 
So inshallah, that will be its own podcast show and I'll be publishing one episode each month. Inshallah, it'll be called Morning Wind, a memoir. Morning Wind as in M-O-R-N-I-N-G-W-I-N-D. Why? Because my name, Sabah in Urdu, means the morning wind. Suboki hawa if you speak Urdu. You heard it first right here on the podcast. Join my email list. The link is below in the show notes. This way, inshallah, any upcoming announcements, you get to hear it first for being a loyal listener. All right. See you next time. Assalamu alaikum. <laughs>